You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. It's presented, of course, by DraftKings. You guys know me. Most of you do, at least. If you're not, if you don't. And you're new, that's great. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. If you check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, you can see the helmets, the game balls. They actually gave those to me. I didn't have to pay for them. Actually, I take that back. The Cowboys made me pay $300 for that helmet, actually. So everything else there I earned or got for free. The Cowboys helmet, despite starting seven games in 2002, I had to get payroll deducted $300. Thank you, Jerry Jones. I know that $300 makes a huge difference in your life. Uh, you can check me out on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok. We're all over Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on the podcast network as well, which is fun, at Ross Tucker Pod. And this is one of my favorite shows that we do. It is the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Not only do we have our every week guy, Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan, who is the man, he brought in one of his homies. He brought in one of his cronies to get us ready for Dynasty, to get us ready for best ball. He brought in Brett Whitefield, who you can check out on social media at BG Whitefield. There's actually a lot to get to today. So first of all, we're going to talk quarterback prospects. Secondly, There were some free agent signings since last week, Joe, that I wanted to find out from you if there's any fantasy relevance in your mind that we need to get to. And a trade, actually. And then we need to uh, find out from Brett about these quarterbacks, why we're talking about these quarterbacks before the draft. And Brett, before we get started, gosh, there's four things. Evidently, you have some type of story about my podcast, which I'm nervous about. No, no, no. Don't be nervous. It's a good thing. I'll, I'll keep a, a long story very short, but Ross, you were the first podcast I ever listened to as a, as a young man when I getting out of college and kind of wrapping up my playing days. And basically, I, I think I found you, it had to be like 2012 or something, but you cited a, a PFF stat on your pod. And I... I don't know. I, I never heard of what pro football focus was. So I, I quickly researched it. I, the stat was really interesting. It was something about offensive linemen. And I was like, that's, that's crazy. Somebody's actually measuring offensive line play. This is nuts. So I looked into PFF, ended up falling in love with their product and eventually it annoyed them incessantly until they hired me. And then I, I worked there for seven and a half years or so. And then, and then recently left to spread my wings, but you kind of got me started in this business, Ross. So, and it was your podcast, man. So that that's the, that's the podcast story. That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay, so first of all, where'd you play? So, uh, yeah, I, I very minor stint at uh, MSU and Michigan that, State. Yeah, and then I, I I did some work in Germany as well. In, in oh, Europe. that's great. That's awesome. Um, that's cool that you found, and it was it wasn't the ESPN one. It was the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Yes. Yep. Wow, that's really cool. Um. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Brett. That makes me feel cool that you um, have a 
career now in football <laughs> that somehow was triggered by you listening to my show. Were you in Germany when you were listening or were you in the United no, States? No, I came home. I was, I was basically working, uh, you know, my first big boy job in marketing and advertising was just like, I, I don't like this. I want to get back in the football. PFF seemed like the way to do that. So boom. That's awesome. Um, love it. All right. Before we get to the quarterback prospects and why we're talking about prospects, I did want to throw some names at you, Joe, and maybe even any that I missed and just find out from you how relevant you think they are from a fantasy perspective. I'm sure I missed one or two, but we got Dearness Johnson going to the Jags as a running back. What does that mean in your mind, Joe, for him or ETN? Um, I think he's a good player. Uh, I, I think he's pretty clearly a backup and rotational player here. Uh, they still had Jamichael Hasty. They drafted Snoop Connor last year. Um, I, I guess I haven't seen the details of the contract, but I'm not even sure that he's guaranteed to make the team at this point, uh, I would say. Interesting. Okay. And then at receiver, we did have a couple big moves. The Browns traded for Elijah Moore. Joe and the Jets mm-hmm. sign McCole Hardman. What do we need to know there? Well, McCole Hardman, um, I'm an anti Cole guy for fantasy. I think he's just more annoying than anything else. And I have to imagine that's going to be the case with the Jets. Now, obviously, he gives them something. He gives them speed. He gives them uh, the ability to play inside out. Um, he gives them the jet sweep element to their game. Um, but for fantasy, when they already have Garrett Wilson, they have Alan Lazard, they're they're, they have a dalliance with Odell Beckham going on right now. I can't imagine he's much for fantasy. And then, of, of course, we truly anticipate that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback there. I think he's more annoying than anything. Elijah Moore is much more interesting to me. Um, he goes to a, a, a Cleveland team that really has Amari Cooper and a bunch of guys for fantasy. I think, Don, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is a solid player, but he's a certain kind of player. Elijah Moore, in my opinion, can do it all. Now, we have to reckon with the fact that he pissed off his coaches last year and vice versa. There must have been something going on under the scenes that they didn't like. The Jets also had horrendous quarterback play last year. I mean, when when I'm looking at this is this goes back to the best ball discussions that we had, right? And and the lessons learned. When I'm looking at a guy like Elijah Moore, who's young, had a really impressive rookie year and then fell off in his second year, now has a change of scenery. And then I have to look at where he's going to be drafted, which I presume will be in the middle rounds, uh, although fantasy Twitter loves them some Elijah Moore. I also I have to take into account, what's the best case scenario here? Because the opportunity cost isn't like drafting, you know, somebody like Garrett Wilson, who's going to be a second round pick with the Jets. Elijah, Elijah Moore is going to be seventh, eighth, ninth round. I'm sure that's where he'll settle in this summer. And this is a really talented guy. Amari Cooper's been in the league for a while. We know Amari Cooper has his disappearing acts. I mean, it's within the range of outcomes that Elijah Moore is up there with Amari Cooper in terms of production if everything falls right. I think this is a great landing spot for him. It's a spot where he has an opportunity to play. It's a spot where he has an opportunity to produce. I really like this trade for the Cleveland Browns. Did I miss any running backs or wide receivers since last week, Joe? Or do you even remember? Uh, uh, Depending on what we talked about last week, I'm not entirely sure. But Elijah Moore was certainly the big one. Austin Hooper, tight end Raiders. No thanks. No thanks. 
Yeah. No, no interest. They're going to draft somebody. They'll draft somebody after trading Darren Waller. And we'll talk about tight ends uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, All right. It's a so good then we, we kind of do something similar to this every year, Joe. But I do think there are some people that would say, why are you guys talking draft prospects before we know what team they're on? Just wait until they're drafted by a team and then break down what your expectations are from them. I know we jointly feel like it's important to actually separate the player from the team. And and I want you to explain why, Joe. Yeah, so um, first and foremost, you have to understand a player's skill set and how he might and it gives you beforehand an idea of where this player would fit within the context of an NFL offense, which Brett will obviously be getting into. But moreover, I mean, there are drafts going on right now. There's best ball drafts going on right now. There's rookie drafts going on right now for Dynasty. I'm getting Dynasty questions on Twitter and in our subscriber Discord. So I know there's pl- there's people drafting. You have to understand, oh, man, it doesn't matter where Bijan Robinson lands. He's going to be the 1-1. But at the quarterback position, if Anthony Richardson goes somewhere where he's clearly going to start right away, vis-a-vis somewhere where he is not going to start right away, you have to know what his talent is and bet on that talent beforehand. And then you have to understand that these guys are not plug and play. So having a background on them before they get um, before they get drafted, before they land with the team, really helps you take a different perspective. Uh, on these rookies and and really it's just a studying process you get to know the players and then you get to know the fit it's a way to break it down for me way to kind of separate those two things without overloading myself brad have you ever said moreover have you ever used the word moreover in your life i don't think i have yeah i don't think i have either (laughs) joe i don't think anybody i did my 1800 ross tucker football podcast this morning i don't think anybody's ever said moreover that feels like you're a politician or a lawyer in a movie or like you're like you're in front of a judge moreover uh, the plaintiff I've, was clearly I've definitely, dropped, I've definitely dropped ergo on this podcast wrong. So, <laughs> moreover moreover is not even my uh my best transitional word there so uh, all right here's the deal about brett by the way director of fantasy points data and research for fantasy points we all know that's joe's domain and Brett, you're not just data and research. You also do a lot of evals of college prospects, correct? Yes, sir. I, All I, right. Prospect guy. Joe, <laughs> how many rookie quarterbacks should we care about? Is it more for dynasty or is there potentially best ball relevance for some of oh, these there's, guys? There's definitely best ball relevance um, because we know what the quarterback position is right now. I, I think everybody – and, and Brett can get into this. Everybody has four quarterbacks mocked in the first round. Some now, and Brett was a trendsetter here, have five. <laughs> uh, so there is plenty of best ball relevance. Um, I, I, I would say for the typical dynasty player, one quarterback league, the big five are the ones you should know right away. Uh, for two quarterback, there's some developmental guys in this class who probably have some intrigue. You know, um, it, it seems like every year there's somebody who comes in, starts some games. Obviously, Houston with like Davis Mills a couple years ago when he was a third round pick. Stanford's got another quarterback this year, by the way, who might end up uh, making some starts at some point in his career. Um, but for the average dynasty player, and certainly for guys who don't play dynasty, there's there's really the five guys who you need to know from this class for fantasy purposes this year. 
Do you have a number one guy? Is there a guy that clearly stood out to you as number one guy, Brett? Yeah, Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. I'm a, I'm a bet on the traits guy, and, and this guy has just about everything you could ever want in a quarterback. <laughs> just a matter of kind of taking all those parts and building a Ferrari out of it, you know? What else do we need to know about him? So, you know, you look at the recent trend of of hyper-mobile quarterbacks with big play potential. He falls into that wheelhouse somewhere. Now, he's not exactly Josh Allen, but he's not exactly Lamar Jackson. He's probably somewhere on that spectrum, though, in between those guys, maybe somewhere closer to Jalen Hurts. Insane running ability, massive frame, freak athlete, tested as the, the best athlete at the quarterback position of all time at the Combine. Um, massive rocket arm. I think you know, there's going to be questions about his accuracy, big concerns about that. Uh, when I put on the tape, I see a guy who has pretty good fundamentals when he has a nice, clean, sound pocket, has his feet underneath him. You see a good weight transfer. You see him get to his all his checkpoints and his throwing motion, um, and it looks really, really clean. The problem for him is when he's subconsciously on the move, when he's not you know, running purposely, he gets a little shaky with that, those mechanics and the accuracy starts to break down a little bit. So for him, it's going to be about tightening that stuff up when he's on the move and trying to make those off-platform throws. So it's interesting because Emory Hunt on the College Draft podcast, even going back to the summer, had Anthony Richardson as his number one quarterback. Loved Anthony Richardson. We're actually, by the way, doing a mock draft tonight live at 8 p.m. at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or Twitter and Facebook at Ross Tucker Pod. So looking forward. I don't know how many times, Joe, you or Brett have done like a live mock draft. That gets intense, man. It goes fast and you're like the guy before you always takes who you were going to get. And then you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And then you're on the clock. And, you know, it's not like we have 15 minutes like the teams do or 10 or whatever it is. Like we're doing this in a minute most i've done it uh at nfl films actually in the past um and not, not oh for, name not for, drop not moreover he's yeah, done it at nfl sure. films not for public consumption but i've done it where we would sit around a table and we would each be assigned teams and, and greg cosell was there and, and and lance zerline was there and brian billick was there some years so that was a lot of fun uh, that was not for public consumption it was simply just to get to know the prospects better it was a fun exercise i love it uh looking forward to it tonight Joe, I don't really – I don't think there is a scenario where Anthony Richardson starts right away. I, 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 that would surprise me. It feels like – maybe, Brett, you comment on this. You know, I get it from a dynasty perspective. And I guess from a best ball, hey, if he, even if he starts the second half of the year, you know, and starts making plays, he could help you. But it seems like the consensus on him – And all the teams that might draft him, whether it's the Panthers or the Colts or whatever, they all kind of got veteran guys to let him sit and learn for a little bit. So what does that mean from a fantasy perspective, Joe? Uh, So these rookie quarterbacks, you know, I'll always go back to what John Hansen said um, a, a number of years ago when Deshaun Watson was drafted by the Houston Texans. And Houston was adamant Deshaun Watson's going to sit and, you know, you know, Tom Savage is going to start. And John Hansen said on the radio, and he was joking, but he's like, Deshaun Watson will not start week one, but he is going to start week two. And that is exactly what happened. Tom Savage crapped the bed. They brought Watson in, he made some plays, and then he started week two. Everybody's got these best laid plans, right? I think even back, and, and, and try to separate the name from this discussion. Even back to when Jacksonville drafted Blake Bortles in the top five, 
there is a, I remember there being a big story. I think it was on the athletic at, at the time. Oh, like here's how, here's how the Jaguars, I think it was Dave Caldwell was the GM. Here's how the Jaguars identified Blake Bortles. And, and it was just this huge opus. Oh, this is the guy they wanted. This is how they scouted him. Dave, Dave Caldwell was being sneaky, you know, understanding that um, he was putting all on the line for this one guy. And their plan is they're going to start Chad Henney all year and Bortles isn't even going to play. And then by like week two or three, the guy's starting. So I don't care where, I don't care if Anthony Richardson goes one. I don't care if he goes two. I don't care if he goes five, six, seven. He is starting at some point this season. It's going to happen. And, and, you know, I look at maybe Indianapolis is the team where a a rookie quarterback could be insulated a little bit. They signed Gardner Minshew this year. Um, But the only guy who's been drafted in the top five in the last number of years really didn't play a whole lot was Trey Lance. And that's because, you know, San Francisco had a quarterback who went to the Super Bowl and they were a contending team. Which of these teams drafting early have that luxury this year? Oh, with the exception of Seattle. Um, Maybe Seattle is a, Seattle might be a place where a rookie quarterback will sit if he, uh, if he gets drafted there. But I would say 90% likely Anthony Richardson starts more than half the year, no matter where he goes. Do you have a number two quarterback, Brett? Clear guy. Yeah, I, I, I've honestly been a fence sitter about this. I go back and forth between Stroud and Young. Um, I think they, they both scored really, really closely for me in my my numeric scoring system. Uh, I'm probably going to lean Stroud. I just betting on outliers like Bryce and his, you know, it, it sounds ridiculous to to discount a guy because of his height, but you just. You know, the NFL is all about risk management, and I don't know that drafting a 5'10 quarterback, you know, is succinct with that. So I'm going to go Stroud. I think Stroud has just as much arm talent, if not more. He can make every throw. Stroud's got some things he needs to clean up as well, but uh, I, I do think he's probably a better prospect top to bottom. Um, I feel like since the season ended, more and more people are saying more and more positive things about Stroud. You know, it felt like Bryce Young was clearly ahead of him, but it's almost like once the coaches dove into the tape and started watching it, they were really impressed by what they saw from Stroud. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair for sure. When you so like face value, one of Stroud's perceived issues was he kind of falls apart in big games. And then when you turn on like Michigan tape year one and year two, or sorry, year two and year three for Stroud. You know, that is true to an extent where he didn't he didn't come out in the second half swinging, but a lot of that was play calling like they like they kind of took him out of the game for him. He didn't really get the opportunity to make a ton of plays in either of those games. So I think you you start to look past that stuff a little bit more and realize and then you put on the Georgia tape where he almost brought his team back. Now, it wasn't almost, unfortunately, for him, but um, I mean, he he put the team on his back and, and led that comeback against Georgia and, and almost got it done. So. I, I think when you kind of start to put things in perspective a little bit more, you know, get more eyes on it. Plus, I do think people are reacting strongly to Bryce Young's, you know, outlier status as a five foot ten quarterback. I think those two things combined have kind of put Stroud in the forefront of people's minds as the number one quarterback. So that was going to be my next question. I mean, Alabama plays national TV every week. Mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of Bryce Young. I feel like I've never seen him have a bad game. I mean, like, is there a knock on Bryce Young when you watch him play 
other than his height and weight? Like, is there something, a knock on actually watching him play the, the position? I have one, and that's it. Pretty clean profiler other than that. But I would say he's got a really slow trigger, Ross. Um, he doesn't necessarily like to throw the ball unless he can see it, which is weird because he does have probably the most, <laughs> the, the longest highlight reel of anticipatory throws in the class, but he also has the most throws where he's literally just holding the ball forever, making plays with his feet, kind of running around. We saw, you know, Tua do this in Alabama. We saw Kyler Murray do this in Oklahoma. We saw Jalen Hurts do this in Oklahoma. It's kind of a, it's a pretty common trend when you've got a guy with his foot speed and ability to, to make things happen back there. But I, I worry about a transitional curve with that because it's like, you know, in the NFL, he's going to have to be more disciplined getting through his reads, getting through his progressions, you know, coming off of one, hitting number two, checking the ball down, you know, playing within structure of an offense, playing within timing, you know, hitting his back foot and letting the ball rip. He's going to have to do those things at a higher level in the NFL. But that's really my only my only critique on him. And it's, it's not like it's all the time. It's just a good chunk of the time. So um, ultimately, though, the guy's talent is unbelievable. I just I, I'm sticking to the outlier status. Understood. Um, there's no outlier status when it comes to Labatt Blue. It's delicious. It's all Joe and Brett ever drink. I've I've seen Joe pour it in his cereal in the mornings. That's how much he loves Labatt Blue Lights. Moreover, it is really fun when you drink Labatt Blue Light with friends. So take it to the next level. Drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your crew. Maybe Saturday night watching the Final Four. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Okay. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's where it gets interesting, I think. Again, for the fourth and fifth quarterbacks that we're going to get into today, do you have a uh, fourth guy, uh, Brett? Is it Levis or is it Hooker? So it, it's another situation where it's really, really tight. And depending on the, the NFL team that would be picking said player, I'm kind of more willing to go with one over the other. But for me, I guess in a vacuum, it's, it is Will Levis. I do think the, the arm talent is just so crazy that I'm probably – he's not going to have the same transitional curve too as Hooker. You know, Hooker coming from that, that Tennessee offense, that's going to give him a lot to digest when he gets to the NFL level. So um, I – that's probably his biggest knock where and Levis is coming from a pro style offense at Kentucky. So I think he slides into an NFL team a little bit better. Um, the more throw for throw consistency that you want to see out of Levis though, he's going to have to get better at that. But because of the bet on the traits mentality, I'm going to go with Levis there in a vacuum. You know, it's interesting because the Raiders, the Seahawks, these are teams that people think might take a first round quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if Levis, Slips out of the first round. That's Ooh. that's my prediction, which people, nobody else is saying that. But that would not surprise me if he slips out. Now, maybe the Colts take him at four. I don't know. Or the Seahawks at five or McDaniels and the Raiders at seven. But I don't know. I, I just kind of, I, I have uh, 
I have some doubts about him. What about what about Hooker? You mentioned the uh, offense at Tennessee. It's like that UCF hypo style, but it also seems like he's one that people are really starting to like. Yeah, I think he's got a couple things working in his favor. When you when you put on the tape, you see incredible accuracy, incredible care for the football. Those are intangible traits that. You know, every coach loves guys who take care of the football and guys that can put it right on his receiver. Granted, he was throwing to wide open receivers most of the time because of that system, but he didn't miss many throws. And I, I think there's something to be said about that. The other thing working in Hooker's favor is everybody that talks to this kid thinks he's just an A plus dude. He passes the vibes check, as as Mr. John Hansen would say. Um Leadership qualities. I I had a chance to to talk to him briefly in Mobile, and he reminded me of Jalen Hurts, like that mentality that work. I'm going to outwork you no matter what day of the week it is, no matter how I'm feeling. I'm going to get up and get it done. That those intangible leadership traits, the football character, I think is there, and I think teams are just inevitably going to love the kid, even though he's a little bit older, coming from a weird system, coming off an injury. He's got a lot working against him too, Ross. But I think those intangible traits that you know that really go into playing the quarterback position. I think he, he ticks all those boxes. Yeah. I was going to say, um, 25 years old, although I guess that, you know, nowadays that quarterbacks, um, you know, quarterbacks don't end up playing till later on in their career. I mean, some guys play till their late thirties now. So I don't think the age is quite as much. Maybe it's more of an improvement thing. Uh, but the age plus the ACL, I can see why that's a little bit of a of a concern for people. Awesome job, Brett. Really appreciate you joining the show. Next week, we are going to dive into the running backs in this draft, which should be interesting. I'm curious. You know, I've heard differing reports on running backs. Some people think it's a really good class and you can get a bunch of guys in the middle rounds that could start or play. Other people seem to think it's not that great of a class. So check out Brett. On social media, at BG Whitefield. Check out Joe at FG underscore Dolan. I am, of course, at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.